Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the DMs Book Club, which I could totally annoy Fiona with and just butcher the pronunciation of it by calling it the Dungeon Masters Book Club or <laughs> the Club of Books. Just mix it up just to really annoy you. My name is Ryan. They shouldn't really put me in charge of anything, but here I am yet again on episode 10, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. It is 10. <laughs> There we go. And this very enthusiastic person you can hear just bickering in my ears and correcting me. <laughs> who are you? What's your name? Oh my God, who am I? <laughs> I'm Fiona, of course. Yes, you have been here every time. It I've been here most times. Silly question. Aww. How are you? You're right. Yes, I'm, I'm very good. I, I only know that it's episode 10 because we've just finished recording episode 9. So that's the only God, reason. Let them peer behind the wall like that. There's what are you talking about? For a reason. Oh, it's fine. No, nobody cares. <laughs> they do. It's been exactly a week and we have right. not talked to each other and no. we've you know got everything in our heads yes nothing blocking us no what do we have to look forward to what are we learning about today so today um i'm the chooser of this topic i chosen the short adventure called istar uh, istar facilities a sort of um uh, let's say a dungeon master's notes or a small sort of uh corporation of a, a module essentially of a game that was run by the author Patrick Ruffus for his friends at a convention called PAX East in 2016. And his friends is quite a loose interpretation of friends. Chris Perkins was in it as well. So Chris Perkins, this yes. was definitely a module run under very high pressure. And mm. this was the first one he'd done, right? Am I right in as, as, that? as far as I'm aware, so Context. So uh, when 4th edition for D&D came out, Wizards of the Coast did a collaboration with Penny Arcade, this sort of online webcomic strip. And the two sort of creators from that, so we got Jerry and Mike Rahulik, um, and they did like a series of podcast episodes sort of detailing the inner sort of interest and coming up with this concept of Acquisitions Incorporated, which essentially boils down to some sort of uh, ragtag sort of group of adventurers who decided... Uh, instead of just being adventurous and doing it for good, they'd make it into sort of a corporate model and act as a business. And actually, it makes kind of sense. You think if adventures were a real thing in the real world, they probably would unionize or have a headquarters <laughs> of some sort. So that's sort of how it came about. And as now almost over 10 years uh, on, they now have like certain members of the team have either retired and they are joined by a, a rotating cast of what they call interns. Um, so you've got the people at the top. So Oban Drawn, that's played by Jerry and uh, Jim Dark Magic, which is played by Mike Rahulik. And then they'll be joined by other interns or other members of Ack Inc. And one such member is Patrick Rothfuss's character, which is called Viari, who's a very flamboyant, and should I say sexually charged bard that never, <laughs> never gets, gets the girl, never, never gets what they want. Oh, and dear. interestingly, so they started, as I said, sort of podcast episodes, and they started moving to Twitch and online streaming stuff. And then because Penny Arcade started doing uh, conventions, so packs essentially, they were like, well, we, this is quite popular why don't we start doing live performances and live shows and get the DM, who at the time was Chris Perkins, one of the lead writers on many of the D&D modules, as many, many people would know, uh, to run it. So it, it was a way for uh, Wizards of Coast to sort of showcase certain new uh, ideas and certain new modules and stuff. And they'd travel around not only the uh, USA, but also in Australia, for example, because they had some connections there. Hmm. And this is an interesting one. So... Uh, PAX East, I think at the time, was a, a bit of a smaller convention. And for whatever reason, Chris Perkins was able to come, but hadn't got any new material to promote or was just like, you know what, let's try something different. So he invited Mike Rahulik and Patrick Rothfuss to write one-shot episodes. Like, that would be canon, but then allowed them to take the light and to allow them to come up with something that was in their world. And it was really interesting because then Chris, as a result, got to play a character and he played quite a famous character, which is Drist, <laughs> which is a very <laughs> overpowered, legendary um, drow with all these magical items and stuff. But he played him sort of very straight laced, you know, not overtaking all the other characters because they were a bit lower level then. So in this sort of show, Michael Hulick did his first one, which was um, How Not to Host a Murder Party, which, again, is a really, really good showcase of um, ideas and stuff. Obviously, there's a murder party uh, and then someone is actually murdered and you have to work out who it is and stuff like that. But all very comedic, all very fine. And then the spotlight moves to Patrick Rothfuss. And when you watch the video, it's very interesting. You can see how nervous he is. And I think not so much because he may be... I mean, I've, I assumed it was his first time running a one-shot. But as you said, right, like the pressure to run a good game, not only with an audience of you know, maybe 500, 600 people in an auditorium, 
being streamed live around the world or recorded live around the world. And your own DM, who is a very famous, well-known DM, also playing in your game. It's a lot of pressure. And you can see him being quite nervous. Uh, he decides to stand throughout the whole thing, which is like an hour and a half. And I, I've always been like, God, I, I think I've stood once for a, a session. And that was just because there was no chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough. To, that's standing desk problems. But, and actually, the fact that he was nervous and the fact that he was new to this, I actually think you can tell based on this publication because it's not just a module is it there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes at the beginning about how to set up for it and how to prepare for it and things you need to do and information you need to take down it's it gave me an impression of being a little bit sweet in that in that way like it's just quite like kind for people to get into it which i mean was that your impression is this a good place for people to start if they haven't dm something before would would it be something you would you would offer them as, as an option or or maybe a bit more advanced I think um, it's definitely, you can take the structure of this because it's, so it says right at the beginning, it's an experience. I always, I always love calling RPG sessions experiences, um, but it's designed for four less than optimal level seven characters yes. uh, played for entertainment purposes. So I think that sort of statement instantly puts it like, okay, so there are a bit, these players that you have are going to be a bit more high level so they can take a few hits. They might have some cool things, but it's for entertainment. We shouldn't yeah. be worried about all the rules and, and worrying about like, oh, but if I do this and do this. So I think from the get-go, it instantly gives it to the DM. And hopefully the DM, whoever you are, tells the players like, look, this is going to be a silly one. We can make it canon, we can make it not. But ultimately, the idea is to have fun. And I think a lot of the times that's interesting things. I think, how can I put it? So some D&D shows, which I watch, have clearly got an amazing story. And people have come for the story. So Critical Role, for example, have... Ultimately, it's not upstart comedy about all these crazy kooky characters and, oh, we're hijinks, hooray. You know, there's a story, there's political drama, there's tensions. And the same with sort of high rollers. And that's sort of, you know, and that's in a way to engage people. And that's something that people come back for. They love that kind of story. It's very, very engaging. But sometimes different styles are also valid. And I personally love watching Acquisitions Incorporated because you have sometimes quite serious things and but you know these characters at the forefront of their agenda is like how can we make money as a business model for it because they are inept businessmen essentially <laughs> and i quite i quite like that that they're always like but how do we further the franchise through this option and being able to use social interaction rather than hitting things and making it video gamey and and, and definitely and, and this is a module that is not designed as an optimized min maxed combat scenario encounter there's lots of different stuff going on here we showcasing different skills different play styles I, I really like it like it, it definitely is refreshing and and yeah you mentioned before we well you actually sat us down and ran this for us our, our typical and, and usual DD group and and so i got to play as a player i, I very rarely get to play as a player yes. and because of that, I'm not a very good player. I forget rules all the time. I don't minimum, you know, optimize how I play. I forget abilities. I'm terrible at it. But for somebody, I like to think I'm quite a good DM in terms of remembering things. But playing, it just all goes out the window. And I really liked this module because it was really accessible in that way. It, it sort of allows you to do different things and to sort of enjoy different, uh, like, skill sets and styles and yeah, that's something that was really refreshing about it. When I was going through it, though, just out of curiosity, did we do everything or did you strip certain bits out of it? Uh, so I'll quickly explain what it is. <laughs> well, Sorry, that's probably no, a better place to start. Yeah, what, what are we dealing with? What is Istar, which I definitely pronounce as I-star. That's, that's oh, 100% Istar or anything like that. Yeah, I think I, I pronounce it I-star, I think, because that's how Patrick did it in the, in the one shot, but... It doesn't matter, essentially, because it's an acronym. But essentially, your friend, a, a certain, in, in the module, it's, it's counted as Dreadlord Viari, is the head of the local Zentarum guild, or any guild, it doesn't matter which, but has had to go away, is away on business or whatever, because there's been a big accident, and he was hurt in it, but also uh, one of the uh, sort of guild masters, essentially, uh, was uh, killed in it. And it's basically trying to like hush it up a little bit. But whilst he is away, he's employed your characters to sort of, you know, just take care of business and just all you have to do is just make sure nothing goes wrong, which again, it's the perfect start for any story. It's like, just, yeah. nothing's, nothing's going to go wrong. I don't think anything's going to go wrong. It's basically just what check. I... Just check for me, yeah. It's what I say in the office when I'm about to go and leave. It's like, I don't think there's anything. Nope. Just I think fine. I've used those exact words before. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, you spend a couple of weeks, like, bossing around underlings and, you know, just generally enjoying this sort of prestige that you're getting from being in quite a high-power position. 
with the promise that you might get further up in the, the black network, as the Zantarum company is called, essentially. And then one day, you have one of the underlings come to you and go, hmm, there's a problem. I've been told I need to speak to Biari about this. You tell him specifically if this ever happens. And you go to a room you've never seen before, and there is a, a little signal that comes up, and it says, budget overrun, Istar. <laughs> and that is the start of a whole journey where you discover that Viari has set up this sort of program, which is the intern selection, training, and ranking program to get into this guild thing and something is wrong with it and there's mixtures of like well what's going on he's not here well well we should go sort it out and mm. therefore as a result the party has to go through this whole uh, sort of facility and combat various things and what i quite like about it is that it's got some very typical sort of dnd tropes but in a very corporate setting <laughs> of <laughs> ranking and reviewing and stuff. And ultimately, it comes back to the DM's discretion on things. And we'll go into the rooms and stuff like that uh, in, in a second. But the idea that it doesn't matter you know, if they do succeed or not, do they make you laugh? Does the player do something and you go, that's really cool? then you should reward them for that and then mm. mock other people if they haven't done so well or gently mock them. And that's what I, I find is interesting. We've talked about it before where there's sometimes there's this relationship between the DM and the players where it's like antagonistic, like, oh, the DM is out to kill us or all oh, the players have just ruined my plans. They don't listen to me. Whereas this, you have to impress someone who, you know, is not going to be cruel, so sort of doing a competition which is collaborative, but then each player becomes out themselves because suddenly they want to be the best add something that doesn't matter oh yeah you all. literally dangle a carrot of competition in front of people or, or give like a medal out or something and oh people jump at it don't they they just exactly. can't help themselves it gets really really competitive yes. so what you're describing then essentially is just one long D job interview it's yes. like the D version of some horrific multinational staged Oh, here's the group task, and now you've got to go away and do the interview, and this is the bit where we look into your background, and oh, it gives me the creeps even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. But, but your characters, they're not the ones actually doing, they, they have to do the, the process in order to work out what's wrong with it, but they're not specifically there to become interns because exactly. you're already high up the, you know, the, the black network, effectively. So yes. this, is, um, this is purely doing it to, to test. Yeah, I, I do like it. That corporate sort of aspect of it is so unlike D and D, and and I do get that. It's it's really 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 funny. <laughs> what happens then? The characters you've got like four inept level seven characters who are not <laughs> optimized at all, and they make their way to the I Star facility. Mm. What happens? So um, you first start off with possibly, I think, the best puzzle at anything you can throw at players who have been used to sort of high fantasy stuff. It's just a simple entryway, which is a turnstile and signing a liability waiver, which again, peak, peak corporate health and safety, and then giving some money to, as the application fee. I've definitely spent, I think, maybe, because I've run this through a couple of times, I've definitely spent maybe, the, this is, would be the second longest like room, I guess, because people are like, well, there must be something else in this room. And looking for anything else to do, like, I go up to the grill where the voice is coming from. I, it's a, Is there magic on the turtle? Does it teleport us to another place? And I'm like, well, no, it definitely gets you from A to B. <laughs> and, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's it's totally harmless, but looks ominous. That perfect combination. Exactly. And I think I think it's, again, it's something I learned recently in, in improv is that the best kind of scenes and the best kind of role play is just doing something ordinary in the extraordinary. So again, like having a gate or having an entryway, which has a straightforward... Uh, thing of like oh you sign this and you pay a fee as the voice sort of does say to you or there's a note saying oh you need to do this but then other people will try and cheat their way around it because oh well I've got magic oh well I, I can do this and it's interesting because sometimes you would not do that in you don't do that in the real world but I think because in like because video games have told us to this or or we've read books or seen films where you have like James Bond working out a, a new route of that people are always trying to find new creative ways to be original and get outside the box and it was hilarious just to sit there listening to, to the people talk and just trying not to break and trying not to laugh and being like, yeah, absolutely, you can totally try that. It doesn't move. It's a metal turnstile. I mean, well, you know, you could, there's definitely ways to get around it where you, you could just teleport, you could phase or whatever, but you won't be scored points, you know. And it's, it's yeah. just interesting to see people's... Definitely a game that I appreciated playing in person because seeing people's cogs turn 
is an, it's an incredible thing. It's one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I seem to remember being stuck by that turnstile for some time. It was <laughs> definitely ridiculous. So mm-hmm. let, let's assume that the party make their way through the turnstile. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Yeah, so obviously, uh, the, I'll say this now because I forgot to say it, there have been massive spoilers for this um, if you're playing it, but I think, by, but it's like four four years into it now and I'm sure someone will have run it for you or you should run it yourselves or at least read it through. Definitely, you should run it for people. If you're listening to this, you are you are number one candidate to, to run this. You know what? That is Get totally, out. don't, yeah, yeah. You should be listening to this and expect spoilers. So, um, exactly. We're, we're spoiling it for you so that you can run it for other people. That it's, is true. It's tri- just, you are making a sacrifice. And, and we salute you for it we do we are saluting right now <laughs> right now it's incredible wow so in sync um so the the first room that you come to so and that's the thing as well you it's a it's a good sort of way because it's just simply five or six rooms all in succession when and you know they only have to get from point a to point b there's you know they can try and go through sideways but ultimately they will end back on the same path and each room is themed to be a very adventure style thing or very something that is very typical. What I like to think is something that will always happen in a D&D session. I feel like there's that sort of expectation from ideal what happens in an RPG system where you are the heroes and you, you take back the village and you, you slay the dragon and everyone loves you. And then the reality is that you're all making jokes. You're all fluffing lines. You're all going, like, what did I do? Oh, God, I rolled a natural one. My, my sword's over there. Uh, you know, because <laughs> it, it's a comedy of errors. And there's a mixture of like, again, like I was saying before, you've got the critical role standard of the story comes first and all the players are part of it. Or you have the Ak Inc., which is the players shape a lot of the world, but don't break it as like a as you would do like a better version of a video game if you see what i mean like you're you're testing the rules and trying new things and if the dm likes it you're going ahead with it you know you're not stealing the spotlight per se but you're using it to improve other players like oh they did something really funny well i i I feel offended i've got to do something even better and by accidentally one-upping the other person etc absolutely absolutely so the first room is I think it's my favourite room because it's definitely something that I've been doing throughout the whole series. <laughs> and it's just simply called the catchphrase room. And the, the challenge is you go into a very typical D&D setting of a tavern, you have training dummies or there's like someone behind the bar, etc. So it's just uh, sort of stands out like that. Typical scene. And the voice instructs you that you have to do a, let's see what it said, uh, demonstrate your ability to attack an enemy whilst using a catchphrase. That already, <laughs> my disappointment was palpable that if you've never watched the uh, the TV show Catchphrase, that's what I thought this was on about. <laughs> that would have been really randomly good. run into the room with a shiv going, "Do you know what it is yet? <laughs> you know what say it what is? See what you see." That- <laughs> That would be amazing. That's that's a different one shot that we'll have to write up. <laughs> different reality shows. But then the, the last line is that you will be graded on originality and delivery. And again, it comes into that thing where it's like, oh, well, this is a process for interns to make it to the top. So every party member has to do something in order to to succeed. And so instantly you're like, well, uh, so-and-so goes first, they do this, and you're like, oh, well, i, I got to come up with something better. Because we're always trying to come up with one-liners and catchphrases and stuff. But then I think you did this, actually. One person just was like, sod this, and tries to go and open the door on the other side, which they get shocked as a result, because they're like, no, 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 you have to complete this process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I would do. It, it's actually, it's interesting, because this whole module, and this room is a good example of that, it, it's designed that every single person in the party has to do something. Yes. Everyone has to do it. Sometimes in, in D&D, if you want to be a quiet player and you don't want to do much, you can let other people do it for you. And like, if you've got maybe an overpowering personality who has lots of good ideas or is, is really effective, they can kind of run away and, and deal with a lot of this. But in this particular module, everyone has to do it. Yeah. And that's quite good, actually, getting people involved. I, I quite like that. Absolutely. Like, I, I think it's also nice to see like I said, like seeing the wheels turn, but also the catchphrases stuff. Certainly if you've created characters just specifically for this one shot, like um, obviously your character, like again, later on, you you shout death from above, <laughs> just land I on top of an Avenger. That. Yep. that was, yep. <laughs> that made me laugh so much because it was just God, so was sudden. Some sort of halfling called something small fellow or yes. something like that. I can't yeah, remember very what it was. Very positive, happy person. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and then uh, David's character of like just a, a horrific, full 
flirtatious, like what I like a Prince Charming type character. <laughs> so constantly, he was more Zap Brannigan than Prince oh, Zap Brannigan, yeah, of course, yeah. my bad. Um, but and it was just oh, there was just some bits where I was just like, I'm so glad this is not real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but again, it's, it's that sort of you are playing a very exaggerated uh, versions of people that aren't necessarily horrid or like you're like oh you know like oh not this guy but then it's like you know, they're being genuine about it which is a, i think it's a very hard line to sometimes to play against i guess you get to the next room which is the treasure room which my god it's it's a great idea and i think this is the one thing i would improve about it it is far far too long <laughs> It's very complicated, and yeah, this is this is sort of what I'm saying. Of all of the rooms, this one this one really does like take a little bit to get your head around. Because mm-hmm. so the, the way it sort of describes it is that obviously it's split into sections, right? And you've got mm-hmm. different areas of this treasure room, and I think so. The idea is that players have to dump as much value into a hopper at the end of the room as they can, right? Yes. I think that's the, the general style that's of it. Correct, yeah. But my God, the amount of DCs and, and different checks you can make on this page, uh, I mean, it's its just ridiculous. Yeah. And essentially, it's, it's one, certainly for, for us, I made it so that it was a map so people can see. In the show itself, it, it was all theater of the mind. And it just took a long time. The one thing that was good about it, they took out, basically, it was an action to go get something and then an action to go put it into the hopper and vice versa. There was just no point in like running or, or, or doing anything like that. But there was so much to it. And with um, a massive spoiler, a gelatinous cube uh, in, in the corner with a, a very high-valued item in it. And so you have to very make that value, choice. Yeah of whether you want to go in and get it <laughs> or fight this creature, etc. And so it, Treasure Room is really good, but it is over a minute. So that's mm-hmm. uh, 10 rounds, essentially. And It took a long time when we did it, but yeah. I don't know if we were just messing around and trying to be clever when actually all you had to do was just run and pick stuff up. No, I, and this is the thing. I feel like the Treasure Room is as... And this, this is the thing I would improve. I think the Treasure Room is a great idea. Like, I think it's, it makes sense because you're competing against each other in the... And I'm going to spoil the one shot a little bit, uh, the recorded one shot... In the one shot, the other players were playing off each other. So one person would go grab something and then the other person would use command to make them give it to them so that oh, yeah, they could put it in We didn't help each other very well. No. no. We... <laughs> but, that, but that's okay because then, you, you, then, again, it's that idea of creating competitiveness over something very, very small and doesn't mean anything. And I quite, I think that's quite good. I think what I would, would do, though, I would cut it down so it would be just 30 seconds and just, just making it shorter. And so you don't have time because I think there's a lot of pe- times... For us, and in the recording as well, where people are like going, um, what can I see? What can I do? And so, so they only have a limited choice. So what would they go to right now? What, they can all see the same thing from where they start. Do they go straight for the scepter? Do they go straight for there's like a lab with lots of uh, bits and pieces on it, like books, potions as well? Uh, there's, the, uh, there's some potions that you could uh, take and 80% of the time you could get something, like everything smells like bubble gum. You don't understand any spoken languages. You can't stop laughing. You look like a flump, but retain all your stats and abilities. <laughs> and again, it's that sort of like, all these ideas. I think crammed into one, and definitely, like I said, in the in the live show, this took the most amount of time, but it was the most fun. Yeah, but it, and it I just, guess you've yeah. got to have a good party that sort of yeah. Well, we'll get into it, and then the longer you go into this, the more rounds you have, the quicker everybody gets at trying to do stuff. And yeah, yeah generally speaking, and, and it's all about just getting people to to come up with good ideas and use their heads, but at the same time keep that sort of frantic movement behind things and yeah. um i like the idea that yeah the movement is just deemed to be it, you either move one place or you move to another it, you don't count feet out i think we actually did it with a proper room a map didn't mm-hmm. we but we I, did. I get the impression that you don't have to no. have a map effectively i think it was just it was just helpful i think just because i'm i know myself i'm very bad at describing things or forget something so at least with the map out i could remind myself what was out there but then i think it did we did fall in that trap of going well i'm gonna move over here i can just make it i was like that that doesn't matter but i will say my favorite line in this whole module is there is a voice sort of a grill sort of thing that sort of gives the instructions out in each room and the one in this room just starts off by saying, style isn't enough to pay the bills. <laughs> and I was like, that is so true. Because obviously in D&D, you're acting as heroes. You're like, ha ha, I've got this. And you, you say the catchphrase, 
but then <laughs> you're also there to take the jewels. You're there to take the treasure, and and you have to have that horrible corporateness of like, oh well, I, I do need some money. Actually, I can't reward. Like I think I must have played in one game. We go, no, no, reward is not needed. And I'm like, no, it's always needed. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, and I like the fact it then says right at the end, Intel and hopefuls are reminded that all treasure removed from a testing rule will be transformed into venomous acid-infused spider bees, which I just love. And then there are actual stats for venomous acid-infused spider bees right at yeah. the end, which, which does, <laughs> that, that really made me giggle. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it's the thing. It's again, it's that sort of style of humor. Like there's some bits I think don't hit very well and some bits do, but there's just a way you're just like, this is just going to be silly. And it's how, you know, what makes me laugh. Like the best bit sort of for me at the end of the treasure room is tallying up the results. So you could be like really sort of... Um, picky and be like well they did this they did that but i feel like if you picked a player who's done something really smart you could give them the gold medallion so like, you, you've come first and then obviously lower down you get what the last one which is like between sort of 10 to 5 gp worth of treasure they receive a tin medal labeled participant <laughs> which, I, <laughs> which again i like that because again very corporate like well you tried like <laughs> i like the fact that it doesn't actually say what you get if you get less than 10 gold like there's just it just doesn't even bother with it that. just assumes you're going to put something in <laughs> exactly exactly it just throws some anything so what happens after this room let's, let's say they they deal with the treasure room mm-hmm. where do they go now oh well you see i i did say that the, the first room the catfish room was my favorite room i think that's a lie because i forgot that the team building room existed <laughs> so <laughs> in this room before you enter it and I, what i liked i think i described it as like each door has like the big sort of symbol on uh, the big corporation symbol on it and then you have like room one blah 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 room, catchphrase room etc and this one was a uh, room free team building room and then the, at the front there was like a a font or a little table with stones on it and it says please take one and you can't enter the room without taking a stone and then it just, oh, it's just perfect. I think because it talks about like, well, you've all been competitive so far individually and you come into this room and there is a 15 foot uh, gap and there's like a really deep pit essentially full of bones and some awful, horrible things. You're not entirely sure what's down there. And then on the other side, uh, between you, sort of a 10 foot balcony, 15 feet gap, and then another 10 foot balcony is the door. And it sort of says, right, now you've got to work together, team building, and you've got all these sort of tools and stuff that are found in wooden containers. So they've got random things like 50 hammers, a bed sheet, all these other random things that you're like, what do I need to use this for? Like proper team building exercise. But then it says right at the end, lastly, note that magic has been deactivated in this room. <laughs> so instantly the spellcasters go, what? And then yeah. also you've been randomly assigned a performance countermeasure and to showcase your ability to overcome obstacles. So the stones do something to you, whether your limb turns to stone or you're suddenly holding a kitten that you realize if you drop at any point, you will burst into flame, uh, which I absolutely love. You can only speak in rhyme was the other one I think we tried, which was great. <laughs> and all sorts like that. that. Was good. It's, again, seeing people compete against each other and then going, oh God, this is an actual exercise. But again, watching people figure out like, okay, I've got silk cord, what else do we got? And then trying to communicate with all these countermeasures and then mm. trying to get people across. But then underneath it all, it's just a line that says, by the way, magic hasn't actually been deactivated in this room. Yeah, yeah. that got <laughs> me. Because I, I, I think you you had phrased it in a way that was like, if you use magic, you're cheating or something like that. And I was like, oh no, I God, I can't even do that. That's that's horrendous. I can't because I, I, I have magic to my disposal. Because yeah, 15 foot gap isn't, it's not the biggest thing in the world. You could in theory very easily get past this thing it's it's a really really easy thing i like this room this room is really it does make me laugh because this is one where the dm gets to have a bit of fun because you know that it's a really easy thing to do and you know that it's very easily circumnavigated this is the, the time reading through this entire module that i realized that there were chandeliers everywhere Yes, because it and it mentions in every single room there is a chandelier in this room mm. and <laughs> There is an invisible one in this room. I assume that's some reference to the acquisition operated. So Patrick Roberts' character is always looking for a chandelier to swing from. So again, it was that sort of thing where like, oh, and by the way, there's a chandelier in this room. (laughs) 
<laughs> just, just a bit, and, and as if trying to entice the characters uh, in that particular one shot to use it. And it's stuff. I think I did mention it once or twice, but ultimately, like, it wasn't very important because you guys. I think it was important at the end. I think. I think you because you jumped off a chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that, I think you all worked it out quite fine, really. Yeah, yeah, no, we got there eventually. And actually, this, this room probably took us the least amount of time yes. to get through. We breezed through this one in the end. Once we all figured out that we could actually work as a team, we weirdly were working as a team by this point. I think we just abused each other so much in the room before that maybe <laughs> we had a, a crisis of conscience or something. I'm not oh. entirely sure. Here we go. We're, we're getting through it now. We somehow skip room four and we've now immediately gone to room five. I don't know about that. I, yeah, I, this, and this confused me on the day as well. I think it's just a formatting issue. Again, the one shot's slightly different for, for some reason. I can't remember why. But this sort of, uh, yeah, this penultimate room, I will say, um, the MML uh, Memorial Acid Pit Training Room, <laughs> which, again, is, is reference to another intern in Aking who's called AFL who was played by Will Wheaton, actually. And they <laughs> he just kept falling into acid pits constantly. Like, <laughs> really bad rolls of a dice and everything like that. So this was sort of immoralised and made a reference to that, which I thought was That's quite really, nice. That's really, really good. Yeah. I, yeah, it's full of references to this. But you, this is one thing to say. That there is a lot of reference to Acquisitions Incorporated, but I don't think it's unfair to say that you don't need to know any of that coming no. into this module. Like, you can Not play at all. Straight up, without issue. It's really good fun for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, they have deliberately changed. Like I said, it's, this is more like a, we've put together the notes from the thing and they've changed certain things. I think because Akink is now a, a copyrighted name. And stuff, so that's why it's a Zentarum Guildhouse or than the Akink one. But again, like it says, it doesn't matter. Like, like you said, it's like, as long as you um, take the structure and you can do whatever. And the other thing as well, it says, you could add in your own challenges or other rooms. You don't have to use all of these rooms. They're just a nice way to do it and I think it's quite nice to yeah. have like the two competitive uh, individual tests as it were and then yeah. these two and are like the more um, team building ones I think and you could very much add your own rooms in if you can think of them and chuck stuff in or change things around or change the order or mm, absolutely. yeah no I really like it and so there's the next room the the yeah the so the acid pit yes. room. so this is <laughs> it's an interesting one in terms of, of how to describe it I've, of all of the rooms I struggled getting this one yes. mentally into my head the most in terms mm -hmm. of how it's all described and, and how it's actually visualized so how would you go about sort of explaining this one yeah, I, and I would agree with this as well, because we didn't use, I remember for us, we didn't use a map for this one. But essentially, uh, you have, um, it's a platforming section, essentially. It's a large room. You've got to go across uh, certain different columns and islands that are just over sort of a five foot deep pit full of green acid. And, you know, and you've got to just sort of jump from one to another, etc. And it's up to you to find a path. There's nothing, there's no, obviously there's no map. It's something you can create. So I think I think ultimately, if I was going to do this again, I would probably make a proper map and to mm. help people out visualize it. But again, it's one of those I things. Think this that, one kind of needs one. Yeah, it, it kind of needs one. But I also I wonder, like, because maybe I, I think maybe I did draw one at the end, but it wasn't a to scale one. And so people were just, you know, again, maybe not helpful. But again, if you like similar to the treasure room, maybe it just takes an action to to move from one to another rather than like feet, I guess, because otherwise you're just going to be like, uh, I can make it here, but then you've got to make several checks to, to jump onto various, um, to various sort of columns to make sure you don't fall in the, the, the I almost said lava then, the acid. It's very similar. Um, <laughs> but I, but the, the best bit, I think, really, is at the end, if someone gets there on the ledge, you see a large gong with um, elven script put into it and you hope that someone would be able to read it like I, I wondered if I would change this to maybe some other scripts maybe like uncommon or one that I know one character has perhaps maybe mm. the person that's furthest back I might change it to that thing but they can't read it and what it says is whatever you do if you value the life of your companions do not hit this gong did we hit the gong I can't I, remember if we did I, or not. I think somebody this is the problem because we, we we never released it in the end so I can't remember what we did but what happens is that if someone does hit the gong the columns slowly start going into the acid making it a bit of a rush for time to get people there because obviously as soon as you're in the acid you're starting to take damage and I think it says at the end was it was it once everyone is across or at least everyone who's still alive the door opens to the next room <laughs> <laughs> so it knows that you may lose some people that's hilarious yeah exactly and and but and also it does say like oh you can help them you know assist them to get them out of the acid etc and and stuff like that. so again having two sort of rooms that are competitive at the beginning and then focusing on the teamwork I think again 
it just gives that sort of again if you're only just starting out playing D&D or maybe in a party so maybe this is a good idea to be like you can shine as an individual but together you can overcome obstacles which aren't necessarily fighting and on combat and stuff again going outside the box to go and help people like you might suddenly be able to uh, i don't know use your mage hand to steady a foot going up over the top of a, a column whilst you're slowly <laughs> going into the acid i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah you come up with all kinds of things it's, it's really cool i like that sort of element of yeah it's even you, you could change it to make it quite competitive couldn't you you could mm. you could say that like oh it's the first person across yeah. gets extra points or something it, well it makes me really feel it makes me really think of um the floor is lava that new game show that's on netflix where it's <laughs> it's basically they have like a, a house with all these different rooms, like the basement the library and then the floor is lava and you have to jump from the various different objects and pull it ropes and stuff like that. it really does it's incredibly american <laughs> like, <laughs> they have like um uh, what's it called like not flashbacks where it repeats uh you know when it goes oh no goes into the and what's great is that they're told that once you're in the lava you like pretend you're in lava so they'll scream and then they'll go underneath the the lava thing and then they're like no karen <laughs> and then she doesn't appear back and you're like, oh my god <laughs> i love it i would love it if they actually did die that would be incidentally <laughs> a hilarious show so we're assuming that what's left of the party have made it across the room mm-hmm. how what happens now what's what what goes on well again this is another one of my favorite rooms where again it sort of ends up in an, another large room which is very very corporate you've got a coffee machine you've got several bean bags again i like to think of it as a startup office now uh, you've gone from sort of the fantasy sort of elements like you've got the tavern you've got the treasure room you've got the acid pits uh you've got the team building exercise and now you've come to the worst environment of all the difficult terrain that is the office yeah. and you've got a large desk and a swivel chair oh, and a chandelier of course and there's a big reveal revealing that the guild master uh, clef hadn't died or kind of had died but we're not sure because he's he is now a golem and the idea is now you have to put your training together to negotiate your contract <laughs> essentially with this uh, with this golem but then you're like well how do you defeat eventually you just have to defeat it and kill it but the the coolest thing about it and it's maybe again something else i would maybe reincorporate in some of the other rooms is that it it talks about remembering your training Mm. and it talks about like if you say a catchphrase or do something cool which is like sort of stagey or something like that that will if you're attacking with a non-magical weapon that damage will be inflicted and i remember we struggled a bit with this because i think because again the treasure room took so long i think it came out of people's heads that you know you should say a catchphrase you should try and be funny so maybe i'd have like i don't know motivational posters around the wall like <laughs> hang in there or blue sky thinking you know that sort of thing <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and actually this so the having like the stats of the monster fight that, that sort of comes in this room and and the the, the contract negotiation that you have to <laughs> deal with it's it, it, like it's actually quite a complicated creature to have to control mm-hmm. like it's it's lots of different stuff and, and there's yes. one particular action it's got which does make me laugh <laughs> is it is it is it the one i'm thinking of which one do you think i'm thinking of um it, is it have a magical name motherfuckers that's the one yeah, <laughs> yeah. i do love that that's really really good I think it's one of those things where you you've got to imagine that like it's an office environment, a sort of a corporate stuff. And again, Clef is a reference to in Acquisition Incorporated. They had a guildmaster or a servant of some sort or an assistant, sorry, that was called uh, Jeff, who did die. And then when this reveal happened, because Jeff was supposed to be a really nice guy, he now obviously was really cross because obviously he died. And so saying, "Have a magical day, motherfuckers," it's very diehard esque. It's very like, <laughs> and it just it was just again, it's it's just brilliant how like you can make it as corporate and nice and like playing the opposites we've talked about this before where you're playing a creature that's seen as evil but maybe it's programmed in a way or is thinking in a way that is it think it's is doing right but it is so weird by our standards like again the ordinary in the extraordinary so <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly but I, I think actually in terms of the yeah the the remembering your training using the catchphrases it's quite funny because it makes it's a combat encounter that could be really hard but is actually quite easy once you use all the mechanisms and yeah. 
yeah, it's really clever. I do like it. <laughs> and then once once that's defeated, we're pretty much at the end of the adventure, aren't we? Everyone comes out. Vaguely. <laughs> literally. And then there's a sort of hilarious reveal at the end. Yeah, which... so so the, the ending of this uh, this this story is that the Dreadlord Viari comes in and is like, Oh, hi guys. Uh oh, I you know, it obviously came back and it turns out the budget overrun has only been that the bin with all the fees from the all these interns that have died has overrun. So he just picks it up and like sort of like waves you off and maybe flicks you like a platinum piece and that's it. <laughs> that's the end. Just a, a cold dead ending. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, exactly. And I quite like that. It just shows you that it, that it, it is definitely a comedy piece. Yes. Yeah, I really like that. It's, it, there's an element to this that... that it's a bit of a story. It's lots of different adventures, lots of different problems. Mm. Yeah, it's really there's, good fun. There's um oh I can't remember what the name of the books are now, but basically there was used to be like parodies of like like the Harry Potter books called like Barry Trotter, and then there was the oh. one for the Matrix. I can't remember, but you know rewriting it, but again being completely parody. And I just remember the end of the Matrix one saying Neo or Nemo he was called because he had a list or whatever, and he was Nemo <laughs> turns around, starts walking, and goes, "This has been a complete waste of fucking time," and that's what I feel <laughs> happens at the end of this party. Everyone's just like. What? <laughs> we did this for nothing. <laughs> One of us is dead. Yeah. Poor Brian. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I like that as well. There is something yeah. quite funny about it all. I mean, yeah, as an adventure goes, I think it's a really good combination. I mean, would you take new players or like more experienced players into it? Do you think it kind of works for both? I mean, what what would be what like when would you bring this out? I mean, I quite obviously. I've only really used it as sort of a, a one-off uh, thing. So I'm, I'm, I've always said that I'm a really bad DM. I just can't plan beyond a session or two. Um, but I feel like this is something you can implement in any city in the Forgotten Realms because there's always going to be a guild of some sort, whether it's the Zentarim, whether it's going to be an Acquisition Incorporated branch. Because obviously now they have their own book where you can you can put put in some of the rules that they've started using. But the idea that there is a facility that hires adventurers, but they need to pass an initiation test of some sort, but it is so full of admin and liability waivers and, and traditional things like that, I think is perfect, I think. Because I think, so as a player, you're used to these sort of things or, or you'll be aware of them. But as an adventurer, it's like a two-level thing where you're like, I, as an adventurer, as this, I, I don't know, not, not know what a what a waiver is, and then you're going, oh god, you know, having to work with that sort of the two uh, two levels, I think is is good fun, and yeah. in, and encouraging that creativity between uh, players, and like I said, the outshining of one another, but then giving that spotlight over to other people and give, making sure they have equal time, it's also really important. Yeah, that's really really good. Yeah, that that sort of sharing the equal time and and sharing the spotlight and giving everybody a chance to shine, yeah. I think is really important because. It is It is a game where it encourages you to come out of your shell. And if yes. you are more a sort of person who can come out of their shell with, with more confidence and, and with less effort, then it will normally reward that. And mm. maybe the quieter people. This is a good time to, and to I, let them out. And, and I would, you know what, the other thing I'd say as well, is again, something I've learned, <laughs> I've learned from doing improv. Oh, <laughs> improv. Yeah, clang, 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 oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I haven't so mentioned that before. I might be a little bit, but so one of the one of the big rules we get we get asked or we get told about really early on is that being boring is totally fine, and it's actually interesting. You, some people will really like, like you said, sometimes you you think, oh, I need to do something smart, funny, witty, and clever to to, to go into a scene, to to role play, to to fight the fight, and then people get stuck on the sidelines, going, mm, I don't know what to do. So as a DM, obviously, you can narrow down things. You go, oh, well, you can go hit. The creature and do this or you go do this you know you limit it down to two options which is what sometimes i do with really really new beginners but ultimately if i say what's the what's the first thing that comes to mind in this situation and you go oh i'll just do this but it's boring it's not original i say well original doesn't have to be it doesn't matter boring can be funny some of the best scenes i've done have been about like i said the ordinary and the extraordinary a scene about hr in an adventuring guild or in yeah. a space station or under the sea or something it's the fact you would still react the same, though just certain elements are changed. Uh, you don't have to be like, look, a, a, a kraken, a squid, ah, you know. You don't have to draw away that attention. And I think, again, the creativity and stuff is like, what would you say? And if it makes the DM laugh, because it's, it's so, I don't know, out of character or it's just so bizarre in the situation, you're going to get points. And, and that's the thing I, I really take away from this is that I enjoy running it because every time I've, I've run it, 
different things have made me laugh and I can score points on it. And ultimately it's, I, I'm having, I feel like these sort of modules, I have an equal, if not better time than the players, which I, I don't know what that says about me as a DM. But that's important actually. The modules have to give a DM a sense of fun. And a lot of the campaigns that you can run just give the DM nothing but logical puzzles and lots of stats and initiatives and, and things to remember because things are getting really complicated. But this mm. is quite fun because the actual rules of this entire module are very loose and they're very just flexible to allow yeah. that sort of play. So as a DM, you've got a lot of scope to just let people do what they want to do and you can throw a couple of checks at them as you need to. But it, it's, yeah, it's rewarding imagination rather than character yeah. build. What would you add to this then, Ryan? What would you, what would like any rooms or any things that you would change about this yourself? I think that's just that. I think I'd add probably more rooms if you wanted to make it like more mm. in depth. Say, I mean, this is, this is built as a sort of two hour adventure, I think. So if you oh. wanted to bring it to like three or four, then you could add mm. more rooms and um, draw a map. I, I quite like the idea that you don't need a map in this. I have mm. to say, like, it's, it's all about describing. Mm. I think definitely, um, some modules come complete with a bit of a bio describing a room at the beginning. Mm. Maybe this module could do with something like that. You know, when it's just like you walk into a room, there is moss on the walls that stand here and there's light on whatever. And just to give, yeah. give people a bit of imaginative like spiel, it relies on you reading it and then sort of translating it yourself. Yeah. So maybe that's what I'd add, but. I mean, generally speaking, I think it's a very well put together module. It's it's very good fun. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add from this is that because I love the idea of of, of corporate stuff. Like, and I, I've said this several times now, but ordinary and extraordinary. And I thought, where else could you put something like that? So I was thinking of stuff like um, a, a motivational company away day with the Adventurers Guild, like Absolutely. going into a forest and hunting down something. But you have to do it. You have to be paired up with certain people from like HR or or the admin yeah. staff. <laughs> Karen from accounts. Accounts, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, or, or even the the, uh, or going to sort of a conference for adventurers was the other idea I had with lots of keynotes <laughs> from various people <laughs> and having seminars. And then the final one I had, which I think fits more into this sort of style, is like having almost like an apprentice style like thing where they have to go do a task, but there are there is another team that has maybe, um, if we consider as, as um, B-list adventurers, maybe they're like the A-list or, or double A-list adventurers and you're like, you have to battle between their egos and stuff. And then you have to, you know, if you're the losing team or if you're the winning team, you know, depending on certain checks and stuff. I thought that would yeah. be quite fun as well. That would be good. I was thinking uh, there's a problem with the staff canteen. You've got to go and find out what yeah. it is. <laughs> or maybe HR want to make a particular division redundant. You've got to go and have delicate contract negotiations with them or something. Because you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are literally the only person who said yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. <laughs> no, I like it. It's really good. I, I think you could definitely build this into a longer term like campaign this is mm. something that you could definitely yeah like trying to yeah trying to sort of wheedle your way up some sort of big corporate structure i like it and i'll say the, la the last thing actually was so i was thinking of other things that are similar to this also i've mentioned the apprentice and stuff but actually in D, &D there is the recently been the new rick and morty uh dungeon style which i've run oh, through true. yeah with uh, david and sam and that's been interesting because again that's written in the style. Actually, Stranger Things as well, the D&D starter set, is written in a style where it is like, it's from a character, a fictional character's perspective, but acting as you. So um, in the Rick and Morty one, you're acting as uh, Rick, as a DM. So you have to, it says in the thing, you have to act like this and you have to say these things out loud. And it sort of refer, it's, it sort of breaks the fourth wall. You, you have to burp, you have to do stuff and generally just not give a shit about yeah. your players and I, I found that really hard to do but I intensely enjoyed it because it's just seeing two people who had, were like oh we're gonna play a one shot Fiona's not told, told us what it is we're gonna make really fun characters and I was like <laughs> just sat there evilly and then just seeing them sort of realizing that this whole place was just awful <laughs> <laughs> And just like, like, to, uh, I need to have a look at that actually. It does look I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you across. But my one of my favorite rooms, apart from the, the famous sort of Mr. Meeseeks room, which I think that's when they both knew something was wrong. There's a, a <laughs> there's a there's a room like a um a, a door into another room which is just a mouth, and you have to role play the mouth, and it, it asks you a riddle or something like that. But it says in the notes that you obviously you have to be expressive with your mouth and use your tongue and everything like that. And then whilst they're discussing it, you have to keep interrupting and then making a horrible 
more noises with your mouth as if you are the door <laughs> and I was like you know tick 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 this is me as a dm going I I can do things with my mouth so to speak so to speak um but yeah like stuff like that which encourages the dm to be silly because it says it so in the book and you're like that's what it says I have to do it like this um but it gives you that I guess that freedom and not I don't know the confidence to do something because it's come from something else or a different character that either you admire or don't I, and I'll say this I don't mind Rick and Morty I've got to that point now where it's like okay but, but I just love the way the DM and this was so powerful and so like, oh, I, I don't care about any of these. And like even the final boss fight, which is massive spoilers, you you come in as Rick and defeat the monster because they're taking too long. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I, this is a really, really good module. I, I, this It's one of those ones where I come away from this and I'm like, you know what? I would want to play this with somebody. Like, it's really, really good fun. I, I'm, I'm scanning a list of people in my head. That I'm like, well, they haven't done it. Yeah. I yes, really that's, that, that's the issue. Is that once you've done it, it's... Exactly. It's, yeah. But exactly. And I'd have to pretend that I didn't know what was happening and do it again anyway, just to, yeah. just to have a laugh. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ryan, I don't know. I don't suppose you've prepared what we're reading next time at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had thought about it. Um, Good. <laughs> yes, I have a topic. Now, oh. in my usual way, uh, I knew you were doing a module. I knew you were doing something that was sort of specifically like, here's, a, here's an adventure for you to do. So I thought I'd bring it a little bit back onto more of the, of the world building, like okay. back into sort of how to build worlds and, and use the books as they're given to, to sort of create a bit of, I don't know, like your own sort of space. And, okay. and specifically, I thought we would talk about the outer planes and uh, different Ooh. planes of existence in D&D and, and heaven forbid, uh, being able to make your own heaven or, or what? whatever plane <laughs> you want to do. Um, so we're going to be looking at the Dungeon Master's Guide and nice. going to look at some of the rules on planes and specifically outer planes because it's a big old chapter. So that's where I wanted to, wanted to dip into. Nice. Oh, cool. I actually, again, as I always say this to you, I've never read anything about those those places. So it's like it, you haven't read the Dungeon Master's Guide. No, God. I've got it. Honestly, you need to sit down and, and properly get through it. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that would be really good. Thank you, Fiona. I really, really enjoyed. Oh. Where can we find more of your intelligent chatter if, if we needed more and, and there aren't any more episodes because we've listened to <laughs> intelligent chatter you mean rambles of a mad woman who's been stuck in our house for many months um yeah, um, yeah yeah that's what that's what i meant too um i keep saying this my name's fiona uh i run the what am i rolling podcast which is a twice monthly rpg one-shot podcast um it's doing very well the growth is exponential it's amazing <laughs> um and yeah and um as i mentioned um i either it's happened by now or it's uh, is happening but i will be on a panel about how to gm uh different rpgs uh at uk games expo online which is some weekend in august i'm really excited for that I think there's people from Adventurous Wanted and some some person from Modifius Entertainment who are famous for creating the Star Trek adventures and other RPGs on there. So I feel like I'm in very good company and there's just me as this, on, on a podcast or two podcasts. So yeah, yeah. so come check that out. The um, podcast machine. This, this, this episode is likely going to go up towards the end of August, right? Or maybe uh, even September. Yeah, uh, yes. Possibly. Possibly. So I think it would be legitimate for me to say, oh... It's really good that you recovered after that performance, honestly. <laughs> oh. Oh, I mean, yeah. you did, you were so brave. I, like, I all that I, happening and you oh. just stuck in there. Oh. Yeah. I just can't believe so many people died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even in the game. I don't was, know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And hey, you want to come find me? My name's Ryan. I Just Google Ursa Ryan and come find me on YouTube. It's got nothing to do with D&D at all. It's great. I'm literally, Fiona scoops me up and... Makes me play a game I really enjoy. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Actually, you can come and find our old Zerios episodes on that channel. So yes. if you want to go and have a look at the craziness that we talk about, we'll refer to about four times a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's all up there. <laughs> and until then, I think we're all going to see you next time. Or no, not see you. We've learned that you're going to hear us. <laughs> and we're going to have no interaction with you whatsoever. So just shush. Shush, but email, <laughs> do email. We've got, we've got an email, I keep forgetting. <laughs> All right, <laughs> see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
so bad at ending. <laughs> <laughs>